Hmm, that's weird. That's weird. Kind of weary me out. You are a sad, strange little man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Isn't that weird? That's weird, man. It's strange. What's up, campers? Welcome back to episode 95 of Camp Strange. I am your camp counselor, Alex Tobin. And I'm your other camp counselor, David Stokes. And we're back to bring the spooky, wacky, weird, strange, and scientific, as we are men of science, as always. Mm, always. And uh, be- before we get into these longer stories that we have for you today, we got to catch you up on any of the weird news you may have missed in the weeks. And I have this story as, um, of course, Florida Man accused oh wait sorry naked florida man mm. accused a bizarre crime spree that included trying to kiss elderly women oh he's got a little <laughs> granny fantasy apparently but this 23 year old guy um loris pickett jr um he got accused of how many 19 uh charges in less than an hour might be a new world record. I know we talk about good. world records on this podcast, but it's pretty good. Um, but he, he started his spree um, after he jumped on a coin machine while kicking it and punching it and then went to the ground where he exposed himself and started screaming, call the cops, the dead are rising. Oh. Um, I mean, at least yeah. he was trying to help. Well, um, <laughs> he was trying to warn us, people. But I think it might have to do with something um, because uh, this something of the contents of his bag. Because in his bag, they found a pistol, which was kind of scary. Yeah. But they also found um, synthetic weed, okay. which is no good from what I've heard in the past. Yeah, that shit's wild. That shit should not be sold. I just don't know how like any of that is made. And why it's cheaper than just growing the normal weed? From what I know, from my experience in college, I had a few friends on uh, my college's football team. And I know a lot of them used it because it did not show up on drug tests when the university would drug test them. And uh, the things that I heard was it was more close to um, salvia in a way that it would be like a really intense thing for like Mm. a very short period of time and then it would like fade away it just seems like it's so much harder to get your hands on than just like normal weed but i guess like oh no in in no it's 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 very easy oh interesting i'm pretty sure it's called uh i'm pretty sure it's called like crantum what the fuck and i Mm. know um like just Typical like smoke shops, like tobacco stores, will sell it. Um, I know at least where really? I'm at right now. Yeah, right where I'm at right now in Montana, I... there are signs that says like Crantum sold here, and I've seen it in other places. And it's, yeah, Crantum. That's so weird. Which I, I could I, I, I could like be way wrong. Like, people, I feel like people go crazy off that shit. So I don't even know why they like technically sell it. I feel like people die off of it and stuff. It's like. I guess you could die off of anything, but like be like used too much, but like still, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that, you know, it's just like like why is that legal? That like something that you could actually overdose on, and like weed, which like you can't really overdose on. I don't think there's been one case of anyone overdosing on it. Yeah, like that's illegal, and it's like what the fuck. Anyway, this yeah. is a political weed podcast, but. Um, I know but, when when I was in college, the stuff that that people were smoking it was called spice. Oh yeah, 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 and that that actually has killed people and like made them go crazy and shit like that. But um, yeah, just to go I, back, I, to I had this. a friend who 
I had a friend who smoked it, and he said it felt like there were spiders crawling all over his body. What the fuck? <laughs> well, this guy, um, you know. Oh, also, he had in his bag, he had a ninja star, which is pretty cool. Those are fucking but, cool. Um, but, yeah, apparently it says at 11.35 a.m., a call came in from an elderly, wo- an elderly woman who lives a few blocks away and said Pickett approached her in a stolen car, grabbed her hair, and tried to kiss her, then picked up a piece of concrete and threatened to kill her. Um, and, yeah, so he has a bunch of, uh, you know, he got 19, um, 19 charges, possessing, possessing a synthetic cannabinoid. Uh, Such a charge, a okay exposing exposure of sexual organs um aggravated assault battery burglary yeah he stole a car he did a bunch of stuff like i said breaking world records over here but you know i don't think anybody was really hurt and uh he's arrested so i guess that's good but it's just a good you know thing to know to maybe just go buy the go buy the 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 normal stuff that came out of the ground instead of the synthetic stuff that was probably made with bleach or something i don't know yeah, get the normal stuff. Eat a whole watermelon and watch Avatar. <laughs> that that's 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 the biggest crime you're gonna commit is just gaining too much weight, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um but anyway, do you have a story for us? So I decided to come in with uh one with one news story because I'm afraid my story might be a little bit longer. Uh man with machete tattoo on face accused. You wanna guess what he's accused of? hitting someone with a machete (laughs) accused of a machete attack (laughs) i mean it's his favorite weapon clearly right yeah so a man from of course the central florida gulf coast um area with a machete uh tattooed under his left eye which looking at the photo i could see how you could think it's a machete because it's a very wide bladed weapon it could just be some sort of sword just a really bad tattoo artist but, True. Um, yeah, the 25-year-old was arrested on Tuesday, charged of aggravated battery. Yeah, he really led the breadcrumb trail right back to his face. It's hard to hard to claim that you didn't use a machete when you have it tattooed on your face. Yeah, but... it, it, it says that the man swung the machete at the victim's face. In order to block the strike, the victim quickly placed their left arm in front of their face. <gasps> and their forearm was struck with the blade of the machete. And no. the victim felt a severe pain and passed out. No. Ow, 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 ow. And that's just kind of how the article ends. Zombie ap- I only want to use one if there's a zombie apocalypse, which that guy was warning us about. The dead are rising. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Maybe you know, they were yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. There, are, there are better weapons than a machete when the, the zombies come. Machetes are not very sharp, typically. So you're right. Because I've talked about this with my girlfriend, and she doesn't like to have these conversations. <laughs> but I, I really like to have the conversation. I'm like, what weapon would you use in a zombie apocalypse? And what people usually forget is that bladed weapons can get stuck. So yes. you kind of and you got to be close. You want blunt objects, you know. You maybe want a, like a little metallic bat. Wood bats can maybe break too, but like a little m- metallic. They're light. They're metal. You know, like you could swing them fast. I, um, I don't think you're going to beat a bow and arrow, though. You have to be good with a bow and arrow, though. Y- true. But, I you mean, know, there's you, no it, sound. You're not going to draw attention. You, you want, like, a crossbow. Something that no. has a little bit more oomph. No, because you're not. Now you you're buying. Legolas? 
you're buying into all this bullshit that crossbows are great. Crossbows are not great because you know how long it takes to reload a crossbow? Yeah, but also don't you think that like I feel like you would be much more effective with like a baseball bat than you would with like a bow and arrow, especially you. You're like a big guy, you know? Nah. Why are you going to why, why are you going to like switch to bow and arrow? You're not even good with a bow and arrow. You I don't assume. know that? I'm good with a bow and arrow. <laughs> Fuck you. No, man. I, you you get a good 7 feet away, especially if they're the, there's them them slow moving zombies. You get close but not too close. So you have enough time to, you know, scooch back and get another arrow out of the quiver. Mm, and, okay, uh, he knows what a quiver is, people. You line that shit up and you put one through the head. Easy I peasy. Feel like, I feel like a, a bow and arrow is something that you pick up and maybe make your main weapon in, like, the third year of the apocalypse. You know what I mean? Like, first two, first three years, stick with the baseball bat, maybe, like, a little bit of, like, a bladed weapon, maybe some guns. But then, like, yeah, when the ammunition starts running out, you need you need years to prepare to be, like, if I'm in a tough situation and I pull out the bow and arrow, I know I'm not going to miss or just hit him, like, because you got to hit him in the head, too. Well, yeah. Just filling him with arrows. So or at least take a kneecap precise. out. Yeah, I guess. But, but you know, the, the, after the you, beauty you know. of a bow and arrow is you can pull that arrow out, and you got another, you got another arrow right there. You know. Yeah, you got to be in a secure place if you want to do the bow and arrow, but you, you can't be on the ground next to him. Anyway, this is really getting <laughs> off. Uh, this is really getting. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move to the next story over here. As a former eBay employee sent cockroaches, bloody pig mask to a Massachusetts couple in harassment campaign. So just to like tell you real quick, um, apparently um, these like six eBay employees and like some were executives or something like that. There was this um, couple that like had an online blog about like e-commerce and stuff, and they like talked shit about eBay. And this the eBay executives found out uh, and read their like article and basically like harassed them for like the past couple months. Hell yeah! Or like even close to a year and they were sending them like live cockroaches in the mail they sent like a, a plastic bloody pig mask they sent like fly larva um and then they also like made like fake um a fake garage sale for like their house and then like flew out to their house and like tried to put tracking devices on their car like fucking crazy shit like what the fuck actual crazy people shit yeah and it was all the you know they got charged with like cyber stalking and stuff but they were just trying to like fuck with this like couple and send them like weird shit so they would get like so like uh nervous and like have such bad anxiety that they wouldn't post to their like blog anymore because somebody was harassing them so they were trying to like secretly take down this blog by basically just making this couple so scared that they don't want to post on this blog anymore and i'm like what the fuck so like they all got caught and fired and now yeah now they're all facing like and one was like um one was like chief he was like a ceo of something i don't know if like marketing or uh, like accounting or something like that but he was like high up there and they're fucking still doing this they weren't even like technically low-level employees they have like they found their text messages right we're gonna fucking ruin them and you're like oh my god like whoa it's ebay it's not just like a you know like you have so much more to lose what are you doing stop like ebay's gonna be fine regardless of this blog yeah so weird that is insane. But, you know, all the shady shit that goes down on eBay, that's that's one I didn't expect. 
Yeah, and uh, somebody in like the the comments of Reddit was like, if this was on Facebook, I would have been like, this is fake. But like they, it's on like actual news channels and stuff like that, and like it's backed up, and there's like actual reportings on it of people standing out in front of like eBay, like reporting on this shit. And it's, Holy like, shit! Crazy. Like the CEO had to like come out and say some shit, and like it's it's absolutely insane. But um, I mean, now's yeah. the time to do weird shit like that. There's too much yeah. news going on. I'll get buried, I guess. I guess you're right, but yeah, these people face up to five years in prison if they get, you know, accused oh. or convicted. Yeah, it's crazy. Like it was like psychological torture and like yeah, it's wild shit. But holy shit. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into these stories. But before we do, uh, we gotta tell you about some coffee, and we're talking about Spring Hill Jack coffee. So if you guys like coffee, go check out Spring Hill Jack. They're great. Their coffee company is amazing. They've been true and blue this whole time and uh you know we love them over here at camp strange so we know if you'll give them a try you'll probably love them too so go check out springheeljack.coffee to go pick up some nice affordable coffee for your home and your loved ones um and let's just get into these stories so now david while in quarantine, I picked up a couple hobbies that I've kind of forgotten about and taken a break from, and one in particular is, of course, video games. And uh, one video game in particular uh, that I had neglected due to its immense stress involved is, of course, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, you've I think talked, we've talked about, about that. This. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's a stressful game, you know, you got to take care of your horse, you got to make sure you're you're bathed, you got to keep your camp all all, you know, up and donate money and save people and not pull out your gun in town and accidentally shoot somebody or run them over with the horse. There's so many people I almost run over with a horse in town and oh, then everybody yeah. freaks out and I got to flee and I have a $350 bounty on my head now cuz I killed a guy with my horse. <laughs> you know what are you going to do, huh? Yeah, dive farther. It's crazy. But as I play it, I realize why the game is so stressful. And not only because of all those reasons I just mentioned, but it's because living in the Old West in the 1800s was super stressful. That's why I wanted to tell you a story today about someone who was actually rarely ever stressed. But not because he didn't have any problems, but because it's easy to not stress when you have no conscience or fear of death. And that's why today I will be telling you about Levi Boone Helm, a.k.a. the Kentucky Cannibal. Ooh. So, let me get into the story. So, Levi Boone Helm was born in Kentucky in 1828 to a well-respected and hardworking family. And although the Helm family uh, sought comfort living in a quiet and peaceful life, Levi found his hobbies to be quite the opposite. And I feel like... A lot of these people, I mean, it's half and half, really. Like, some of them come from, like, really fucked up families. But some of them, they're just like, oh, yeah, it's everybody's normal. And, like, we just have this weird little outlier who just, like, wants to do this, like, wild shit. Like, his great-grandpa was an insane person or something. Like, he got that trait. But um, after the Helm family moved to Missouri, um, when Levi was still a boy, Levi began to show his true self. You see, Levi delighted in demonstrating feats of strength and agility and would goad men into fights by throwing his bowie knife into the ground and then retrieving it from a horse at full gallop, which is actually pretty fucking cool. If you, That's you sick know, as if, fuck. Yeah, you just like, 
I feel like that's like exactly like what you would do in a movie. You know what I mean? Just like throw it and then run and just try to grab it out of the ground. And he's like, oh, you think you're tough? And then the guy just fucking gets stabbed to death. I don't know. It's it's crazy how much ego was involved in like the old West. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, people were willing to risk it all because somebody stepped on their shoe. And it's like, fuck. Yeah, you um, are the right with- places in America now. That's going to happen. You step on my fucking Jordans. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, That's, I'm gonna shoot you. It's true, you know. People are shoe culture is very protective, but I guess boot culture was too. Um, yep. And he began, he, uh, you know, doing this stuff. He began getting in many fights, which in turn got him into many jail cells. And actually, in one incident, to show his contempt for authority, Helm um, on horseback uh, rebuffed the sheriff's attempt to arrest him and walked his horse up the stairs of a courthouse and into the courtroom um, while circuit court was in session. And then he verbally chastised the judge in front of everybody. But the most interesting thing about that is, can't horses not walk back down steps or stairs? I think that's cows, but I'm sure horses you know can't either. No, I thought the same thing, and I Googled it because I was like, what the fuck? And it said horses and cows because they can't see, like, directly below them. They have, like, a yeah. hard time seeing what was, like, below them, so they can't, like, really walk down steps without, like, falling or some shit like that. So, okay, I mean, what a what a brave man. He probably just... <laughs> He probably jumped that 20 stair with that Mustang. Or he took his Maybe. shittiest horse <laughs> and left it. He, he left it in the courtroom. Or he just let it go to fall down the stairs, and he's like, horse meat? Who wants horse meat? So um, after He let a few it free more- into nature. <laughs> so after a few more years of trouble with the law, Helm married 17-year-old Lucinda Browning in 1848 and soon fathered a daughter. But that by no means meant that his days of terrorizing were over because Helm became known for his heavy drinking, riding his horse into the house, and beating his wife, which is, you know, not – the first two were like, okay. You're like, oh, heavy drinking and riding the horse in the house. That's like a that's like a fun story, but then he's like a wife beater, so he's kind of a piece of shit. Um, yeah. The um, the domestic violence grew so bad uh, that Lucinda petitioned for divorce, and Helm's father um, actually paid for the cost of the divorce because he probably knew his son was so fucking shitty, uh, which ended up having to uh, ended up bankrupting his father and ruined his family's reputation because of like you know his domestic violence and his drunken ways and shit like that, and his father having to bail him out. And actually, this is when Helm decided to split and move to California because why, David? Not to star in the next horse-forward action blockbuster besides Sarah Jessica Parker. No. He went there to find gold. Why everybody went to California. Yep. The old 49ers. Yeah, exactly. So by 1850, Helm had decided uh, to head to California in search of gold. And Helm asked his cousin... A man named Littleberry Shoot. And I'm not even kidding. That's his fucking name. Okay. Little Littleberry Shoot. Um, and uh, he would actually accompany him to California. Um, and Shoot initially agreed to accompany him. But when Shoot attempted to back out of the trip, Helm became angered. And like I said, this is his cousin. And Helm became angered and ended up stabbing Littleberry in the chest, killing him instantly. Jesus. Yeah. Whoa. 
He's like, I'm already going to California. I'll fucking kill someone here. I, I mean, at gonna... least he didn't suffer. It's so easy to kill people in the Old West, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, no one's yeah. no one's tracking you. There's no but... Uber to take him to the hospital to avoid that, uh, that big old <laughs> ambulance fee. <laughs> I think about that often. I'm like, I just... I just take an Uber. Why not? Like it's already like a thousand dollars just to call an ambulance to you know. If you get just in the bring ambulance, a couple trash bags, lay yeah, them down. Exactly. So after stabbing his cousin and murdering him, Helm then headed west alone. Um, Littleberry's brother and friends pursued and captured Helm, but his antics in captivity in captivity quickly landed him in an asylum for the mentally deranged. Um, And upon entering the asylum, Helm actually became friendly with the guards and convinced them to take him on walks through the woods. But after these walks became routine, Helm was able to take advantage of the guards' trust and then deceived them and was able to escape. So he's pretty, he's pretty, you know, he's not crazy. He's not crazy to the point where he's going to stay in the asylum. And he's like, I'm okay with staring at a blank wall. But um, yeah, he's, he's very charming i guess too in a, in a certain way mm-hmm. even though he's a cannibal murderer yeah. um well, has so, he eaten anybody at this point n- you know what it's kind of interesting you say that because there was like never proof of him doing this like early on but then like later in life he he or not later but like in a little bit you'll find out that he like confessed to murdering and eating people along the way okay and people are like oh shit you did that but there's no one obviously around to be like you know oh i saw him do it because they were just fucking dead they got eight so helm was now a free man once again on his way to california to get rich quick but on his way west he fell back into his old hobbies and even quicker way to get money murder he murdered several men in various altercations eventually committing premeditated murder as well so he was like, oh, I've, you know, it wasn't like heat of the moment all the time. He was like, oh, no, I like murdering and I want to like, I want to murder people for like vengeance or, you know, it wasn't just like, I'm a crazy person. It's, it's pretty clear that he was just like, I like murder. So it is also not known how many people he killed while in his travels, but 11 were confirmed by the end of his life. And mostly that there have been probably many more, but they keep, they keep talking about how easy it was to like murder somebody in like the old West, you know, like the more, the more West you moved, the easier it was to get away with murder because it was just like, not as it wasn't as civilized, you know, you could just like, you yeah, know, gun down somebody in the street and then get away, and people were like, "I don't know who that was," and you know, it wasn't like the wild, wild you, west, baby. Exactly. So, um, like I said, he probably committed many more murders, but um, he at that point he was forced to flee California because he was just killing a shit ton of people, and he wanted to avoid arrest and vigilante justice. So Helm teamed up with six men with whom he confided in uh, to these six men. He also uh, he confided in the six men, but he also apparently confessed to them that he had eaten parts of his previous murder victims, saying, uh, "Many's the poor devil I've killed at one time or another, and the time has been that I've been obliged to feed on them, um, on some of them." So he did like with these with his new gang. He's like, "Oh yeah, I've killed people." He's like, "I've fucking even eaten some of them. I don't care." But he definitely will go on to, like, prove that, like, he definitely has, like, a hankering for some human meat. Mm. So, 
Um, <laughs> as the six men fled north to uh, Fort Hall, Idaho, Idaho. Do you know where that is? Fort Hall? You know where Fort Hall is? I don't. Oh, okay. Well, they were attacked by a group of Native Americans, which forced Helm and his party into the wilderness, and the group remained lost in the wild for days with short uh, provisions, so they didn't have much food. And Helm and his remaining party uh, ended up actually actually having to kill their horses and ate the meat and then made snowshoes out of the hides. So now they're, like, on foot, and they don't have their horses because the horses were, like, doing pretty shitty, I guess, too. So the journey was difficult and deadly, eventually winnowing uh, the party down to two men. Um, I guess when they were traveling, they, you know, when, when somebody would get sick and or like be too weak, they would just leave them there and just like keep walking. Like we don't have time or, you know, but um, the last two men were Helm and a man named Burton. So when Burton could not go any further, Helm left him in an abandoned cabin to go get some firewood, you know, to stay the night or whatever, uh, or just go scavenge for food. But while out scavenging, Helm heard what sounded like a pistol shot. And when he returned, he found out that Burton had actually shot himself in the head. So he killed himself because he was so weak and he was like, I'm not going to make it, which is terrifying and so scary. You don't really, you know, think about that kind of stuff. You're just like, oh, Wild West is cool. They got little towns, but... You don't really think about that, like the the space in between the towns where people were trying to travel could go yeah. really, really bad, really, really quick. So, Helm starving and now alone actually ended up eating one of Burton's legs right then and there, and then wrapped the other up to take with him on his journey. And somebody, someone finally discovered Helm at an Indian camp and allowed Helm to accompany him uh, despite having over $1,400. Oh, sorry. And look, so he, he took Helm in. He's like, I'll bring you into town. And then they found out that despite having like $1,400 on his person, uh, Helm didn't like pay the man or give him any money at all for like saving his life. And the guy gave him, like, food and clothing and transported him all the way to, like, Salt Lake City, Utah. Because Helm was, like, super fucking greedy and just kind of, like, a bad dude. So he was just trying to keep as much money as, like, he could. I think he was, like, stealing money off of, like, even, like, his friends who have died and stuff like that. He just, like, didn't care. He was just, like, I'm going to keep as much as I can. Which I guess is fair. I don't know. It's the Wild West, you know. I mean, if they're dead, they're not going to be using that money. That's true, but you should probably, like, pay somebody. You know, he, he kept, like, his pay a secret, even though this guy's like, oh, this guy's, like, missing and starving out in the woods. Not like, you know, he didn't even know that he was, like, eating his dead friends, and then he also had, like, a shit ton of money. So this is kind of a weird situation. So yeah. Boone became wanted by the law and fled to San Francisco, California. At, like, after he was in Salt Lake City, he kept, like, becoming wanted because he was just a fucking asshole and he kept trying to like fight people or rob people or kill people and uh while in california helm killed a rancher who had befriended him and taken him in like i said sheltering him from the vengeance of the law so he was like i'm an outlaw running and the guy's like oh you can like stay here i won't turn you in and then he fucking killed him such a piece of shit (laughs) and uh Helm then traveled to Oregon after that, so he just bouncing around and uh, resumed robbing people for a living, frequently murdering them as well. And in 1862, after heavy drinking, Helm gunned down an unarmed man named Dutch Fred in a saloon, and then he fled. And apparently Fred was known as a fighter, but curiously enough, Fred was... um, 
Fred never instigated Helm at all. People are like, oh, Helm, I mean, Fred probably, like, you know, asked for it. You know, he got in a fight and he ended up dying. But apparently, it was actually an enemy of Fred who told Helm to kill the unarmed Dutch Fred, making many believe that it was actually a hired hit. So now it's like, oh, oh fuck, Boone Helm, like, Levi is um he's a hitman too so he's just he he loves killing at this point you could just kind of tell yeah and he so, didn't hire four other people to do it ex- <laughs> exactly he's just like no this guy seems crazy enough to fucking just get the job done and uh, this actually created a huge uproar with the authorities since the man was unarmed so they're like oh there was like not a duel there was not an altercation you know there was nothing justified in this so uh it forced helm to flee again because you know everybody was after him but while on the run, of course, Helm ate another fugitive who had been accompanying accompanying him. So he just ate. He was just eating and fucking killing people that were just like his friends too. He didn't care. He had like no conscience. He was just like lean, really leaning into being like a piece of shit. Did they so, ever break down his uh, his go to way of cooking people up? Did he eat them raw? Or did he slather them with some Lowry's and pitch them over the fire? <laughs> With some sweet baby rays, <laughs> with some stubs, mm. get some stubs on these stubs. But um, no, they they never they never really uh, said because I don't think he really ever confessed. Because a lot of people like, I think some people might have like seen him eating like some human, but uh, most of them were just like he was like, yeah, I fucking cut off the guy's legs and ate him. Like, and it they're like it makes sense because like how else would he have survived? I don't think he's like lying about this. He was like really leaning into like his shitty personality and his crimes. He was just like, yeah, yeah, I did it. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. And you'll see at the end too. He's like, he really was like, I'm okay with this. Like whatever. So after running, he was captured shortly after, but Helm had some help this time because Helm implored, uh, implored his brother, old Tex, which was, uh, one of Helm's 12 siblings, uh, for assistance, um, with a considerable amount of money, Old Tex paid off all of the witnesses who saw him kill Dutch Fred. And unable to convict Helm without witnesses, the authorities released him, and he accompanied his brother uh, to Texas. Of course, Old Tex lives in fucking Texas. He has to. Yeah. But um, in the subsequent years, Helm killed many more men uh, and got away with it. Uh, and, you know eventually just uh ended up fleeing but he finally got caught but where he got caught in montana david oh you might might be close to fucking levi boone helm territory i don't know where he was where he got caught but he got caught in montana so helm was captured while he was traveling with the notorious henry uh henry Plummer and his gang I would I would be so down to be like in a gang like that. That seems so fun though. I mean, oh, yeah? I wouldn't want to do all the horrible shit that they did, but like it would be so So you don't cool want to be like, in a gang. I guess not. <laughs> I like the idea of a gang, but I don't like like I like the lifestyle. No, not the not the lifestyle. I like the idea of just like traveling with your buddies the camaraderie. Yeah, from town to town and, like, having campfires and hunting and then going into a saloon. And it just seems fun. But then they also don't talk about, like, the horrible gingivitis and, and jock itch. And you have lice Ooh. everywhere. And you're like, yeah. Everything stinks. And, 
Even even the women that will actually take your money to have sex with you, they don't they don't really love you. You never really find. <laughs> there is no love in the wild west. <laughs> There's no love, but um, like I said, he was uh, captured while traveling with the notorious Henry Plummer and his gang, and Helm and the four other gang members were captured, arrested, and tried in secret. So they, you know, they didn't want to like have somebody be able to break them out or anything like that. And at trial, Helm kissed the Bible and then proceeded to uh, perjure himself, accusing three-fingered Jack Gallagher, um, Helm's close friend and fellow gang member, of crimes Helm himself had committed. So he was just fucking throwing all of his friends and gang members like under the bus as well. And the Montana uh, vigilantes uh, actually hanged Helm, Gallagher, and other members of the gang in Virginia City, Montana, on January 14, 1864. But here's the best part. So in front of the crowd of 6,000, uh, before he was hanged, Helm stated, I have looked at death in all forms, um, said Helm. He said it coolly, and then he said, I am not afraid to die. And then he then asked, for what, David? He asked for uh, three cheeseburgers. No, he asked for and a, a glass of whiskey because he's a whiskey ah, man. Whiskey oh. man. Oh, I'm a whiskey man. I'm a whiskey man until the, the noose is around my neck. And God damn it, I'm still a whiskey man. I'm going to go like, out of whiskey. I was born a whiskey man. I'm going to go out of whiskey man. <laughs> he's like, you know what goes great with whiskey? Chicken leg piece of a man. Human leg piece. Chicken leg piece. piece? Chicken oh, leg human piece. leg piece? Yes. So, but he was like true to his word. He really was not afraid to die because while at the gallows, Boone Helm or Levi Boone Helm looked around at his friends uh, placed for death and told his buddy Jack or three finger Jack Gallagher to stop making such a fuss. There's no use being afraid to die, which is like so fucking cool. Like, I don't like this yeah. guy's not, this guy's not cool, but like there's something so cool about not being afraid to die like in those last moments she's like damn this guy's fucking so crazy that he just like doesn't give a fuck and it's just i think it's cool because even like the hardest coolest people who are like say they're not afraid to die most of them usually break when it comes down to it but it's like james franco in ballad of buster scruggs when like they got the noose around his neck and he looks over and he's like first time you know like have you seen that movie? yeah yeah it's like That's so fucking cool. I mean, there's a reason it's a meme. It's like the coolest shit ever. So um, when it was Jack's turn to uh, to hang, uh, so when they put three-finger Jack in the noose because he went before Helm, reportedly Jack remarked, kick away, old fellow. My turn next. I'll be in hell with you in a minute. Which is like such a fucking cool thing to say too. Like... It's I mean, so, that would just piss me off if I was the executioner. I'd be like, you fuckers, you're not supposed to enjoy this. Exactly. It's like, fuck, like he's making us kind of look bad. You know what I mean? Like he looks mm-hmm. like he's happy to do it. There's no like, there's no like retribution or whatever. Um, but here's the best part. When the executioner approached Helm, he allegedly exclaimed, and I don't really agree with this, but he says, every man for his principles, hurrah for Jeff Davis. Let her rip. So I guess he was a hardcore Confederate, 
and he okay. loved he loved Jefferson Davis. I never seen anybody call, call him Jeff Davis, which is kind of strange. But Jefferson they're Davis close was, friends. Yeah, <laughs> obviously Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy, so I guess okay. he was like a hardcore Confederate. Um, but he said, uh, yeah, for hurrah for Jeff Davis, let her rip. But here's the cool part. He then jumped off the stool of the hangman's box before the executioner could kick it away. And then Hugh, uh, so Boone Helm died in 1864 and is buried in Boot Hill Cemetery, Virginia city. Um, which may be in Montana. Like I said, he was hanged in Virginia city, Montana. So, okay. um, but how fucking Maybe I'll cool go is that? search out that grave. He's just taking all the power away from him. I think that was the point. He was very ego-driven. So he's like, oh, you want to fucking kill me? Check this shit out. And then he just jumped off. And I'm like, damn, that guy <laughs> so wasn't <laughs> that guy so wasn't afraid to die. It was crazy. Man. Like, If only dirt bikes existed back then, because he probably would have been one hell of a dirt bike rider. <laughs> or BMX. Let's not get ourselves. Yeah. He has but, strong legs. <laughs> I mean... All those bodies he cut up and carried around, probably. Do you think your legs get stronger the more legs you eat? Because that might be the case. Human It might work like that. I'm not sure. It might work like that. (laughs) So I guess all I can say in the end is own your mistakes, and if you're already going to die, might as well do it your way, which actually kind of seems like it should be the slogan for the Nightmare Whopper at Burger King. I was going to say, that sounds like... (laughs) Is that Burger King's Have It Your Way? Who is that? Yeah, that's Burger King. Have it your okay. way. So if you're already going to die, might as well have it your way, which is the Beautiful. Nightmare Whopper slogan, which is, yeah, you know, lean into it. Beautiful. Lean into the death, right? But that's my story of Levi Boone Helm, the Kentucky cannibal. I'm still not over the fact that I, I drove to like four different uh, Burger Kings and none of them would serve me a, a Nightmare Whopper. Are you serious? That's bullshit. When I, when I went and asked, they they pretend like they never heard of it. So I feel like that's a conspiracy cover-up in itself. <laughs> They're like, we've never heard of it. And then what you didn't see was there was a gr- guy crouched behind the counter with a gun pointed at their waist. I, absolutely. S- say you never heard of it. we got to keep them all here. Contain them. You, you tell them it never happened or you're eating three of them tonight. <laughs> Anyway, that's my story of that fucking crazy asshole. All right, let's do this. It's finally time we talk about the elephant in the room, and that's the wild world of Scientology. I love Scientology. uh, Oh, yeah. Let's not dilly-daddle around and get into it. (laughs) So uh, to start this off, let's answer the important question of what is Scientology? Scientology is a body of religious beliefs and practices which was first introduced in 1950 and organized as a movement in May of 1952 by American author L. Ron, Ron Hubbard. Hubbard. Oh, Boy, one, one of the, one of the scariest moments of my life uh, was when uh, I, I, I had recently gotten my, my, little, my little child, Kuma, good boy, Kuma, and I was walking him around uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, he pulled me into this this store, and I wasn't really paying. I think I was on my phone or something. And uh, pulled it, he pulled me into the store, and I kind of like looked up, and I was looking around like this place is weird. And I looked down on a book, and it said L. Ron Hubbard. And I realized that Kuma had dragged me into the uh, Scientology store of Portland, Oregon. 
Oh, interesting. Because I was yeah, going to say so my, they're, they're... my dog's a Scientologist. Uh, I was going to say it might be interesting too because I thought you were just going to say like a random bookstore because he was like before he started this whole religion he was like just a shitty science fiction writer. So like I yeah, was like, he's a oh, big sci-fi writer. Maybe like maybe there was some like you know some bookstores that carried his like old books or something and maybe they weren't about Scientology but you know nowadays it's it's all he's known for. Were were his books shitty? I'm kind of curious. That, I kind of want to read one of them now. Um, well, there was a movie called Battlefield Earth starring oh, yeah. John Travolta and Forrest Whitaker, I believe. Yeah, and that was a ter- That was like one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, it was like the worst movie ever made. And he wrote that script, I believe. So it's like, or he wrote yeah. the story of it or something like that. So like, I don't know, a lot of people who read his science fiction, like I'm reading a book right now that reference, like, it's called Lovecraft Country, and they reference how, like, he goes, I like these authors, not, like, people like L. Ron Hubbard, because they, like, say that his science fiction just wasn't good, but he was getting he was getting published in, like, okay. these pulp magazines or something just because they were something. I don't really know, but they said it just didn't match up to, like, the other authors of the time or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean... There's a reason why John Travolta was in that shitty fucking movie with that crazy ass <laughs> his makeup dreads, on his fucking huge head yeah. with his dreadlocks. He he looked like an iron deficient uh, wharf from uh, Star Trek. He looked like a human version of Predator, or I guess he was like an alien. But like it was so fucking weird. Someone so like someone slapped John Travolta's face on a Predator body or something. Yeah, with that five head. So uh, Hubbard was Hubbard was initially developed or initially developed a program of ideas. <laughs> he called... was initially developed. <laughs> it was. was called uh, diet uh, Dianetics. Dianetics is mm-hmm. that what it is? Yeah. Uh, which distributed through the Dianetics Foundation. It didn't take long for his foundation to get slapped in the face with bankruptcy, leading L. Ronnie Daddy to lose the rights to his um, seminal publication. Mm. Dianetics, uh, The Modern Science of Mental Health in 1952. So that was the official name of it. Oh, interesting. That makes more sense now why they fucking hate therapists and like psychologists is because they think they know all of the answers behind mental health, I believe, huh? Yeah. So, uh, that same year, it was, um, the same year that he like came out with it, it was bankrupt. And, uh, it was then recharacterized that the idea was now a religion and renamed it Scientology, which he retained the terminologies, doctrines, and the e-meter and practice of auditing. That's how you. Uh, that's how you make that money. Just make your business a religion, and then people are just like fanatics, and then people you want just to dodge that tax. Dodge the tax, get free money. Like, yeah, that's what people are doing. Mm-hmm. So within that year, he regained the rights of uh, Dianetics, and he retained both subjects under the idea of the Church of Scientology. So he kind of fused them together. Uh, So the Church of Scientology says that the human is immortal, spiritual being that is a resident in a physical body, which they call a Thetan. Thetan. Thetan? Thetan? Yeah, I think it's something like that. It's all made up words anyway. We could pronounce them however the fuck we want. 
<laughs> that is very true. <laughs> so uh, the Thetan was uh, or has an a <laughs> innumerable past lives, and it is observed in advanced uh, Scientology writings that in our lives that uh, they fill our bodies once lived in extra they, they once lived in extraterrestrial cultures in space before coming to Earth. Yeah, they got blown out of fucking volcanoes. Well, hold on. We'll get into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, Hub Daddy South broke Park down. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hub Daddy broke down uh, the word Scientology as getting its name from Sio, a Latin word meaning uh, to know or distinguish, and the Greek word uh, logos, meaning the word of outward form by which the inward thought is expressed and made known so uh, hubbard wrote thus scientology means knowing about knowing or science of knowledge which makes complete sense <laughs> i don't think you want me to read that again the, i don't even think what the <laughs> he knew what the fuck he was talking about it's like that's the thing if you have something that's like confusing enough it's like you know when i get like you know i think therefore i am but like it's still really confusing off the top so if like you say that shit people go like wow like he's so smart that i don't even understand what the fuck he's talking about and i think that's what he was kind of going for he's like if no one understands it but me then i seem like i just have a grasp on this thing that no one can understand you know what i mean Exactly. And, you know, the the first step to getting people to believe in your bullshit is to add Latin into it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dead language? Hell it's yeah. It's just a fact. It just yeah. seems old. It makes it look no one old. Knows. It makes it look established, you know? Exactly. So uh, there's a lot to cover about Hub Daddy, so I won't cover it all. But um, this story was too good to pass. And it's I think it's pretty important to the story. So in April of 1938... Hubbard apparently um, <laughs> had a uh, he had an issue with a drug that he was given during a dental procedure, which triggered a revelation of near death experiences, uh, which led which inspired uh, Hubbard to compose a manuscript which was never actually published. Like they have it, but is never published. Which uh, had the working title of. The One Command or Excalibur. It was it was between the two. It's crazy the, what bubblegum uh, flavored nose, nose gas can do to you, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How be you fucking flying? He's like, our God is now bubblegum scented. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> try, so to, the, try to explain so contents... what bubblegum flavor is. Try to explain that right now. What does bubblegum taste like? Uh, bubblegum. That's the only thing. Tastes like... It tastes like bubblegum. <laughs> so uh, the contents of this manuscript was believed to be related to uh, his teachings of Scientology, along with any of his sci-fi publications. Hubbard uh, worked off of one command and uh, was thought to be means of a survival teachings. This theme would be uh, revisited in uh, Dianetics and... Uh, the set of ideas and practices regarding the metaphysical relationship between body and mind, uh, which would become the central philosophy of Scientology. Okay. So when you boil it down, the whole idea of Scientology came off of him having a bad trip from uh, 
a bubblegum gas procedure. Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. The doctor's like, do I get a co-writing like fucking thing? <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Am I a producer? He's um, like, all that candy so... made me so smart. I ate so much candy and then floss and now I'm a god. So in August of 1954, uh, Hubby moved into the Pasadena mansion of John Jack Whiteside Parsons. Not Jim Parsons. Don't want to get that mixed up. Um, So Jack Whiteside Parsons was an avid occultist and uh, thelamite. Was that that right? Thelamite? Um, so I guess it's some occult, uh, belief or religion. See, exactly. And what he was talking also, about some fucking Latin bullshit, probably. Yeah. And, uh, this Parsons guy was a huge fanboy of legendary English ceremonial magician, Alistair Crow- uh, Crowley. Oh, Crowley. yeah. Yep. Oh, Mr. And, Crowley. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so Parsons was also the leader of a lodge of Crowley's magical order, the Ordo Tempi, Templi Orditus, also known as the OTO, which is just another bullshit thing with Latin to make it sound smarter. Um, it's crazy, so, like, how uh, many of their hobbies back in, like, that era were like, oh, what do you like? Some guy's like, oh, I make, like, wood tables. And the guy's like, I build altars and pray to a squid. And everyone's like, What? And they're like, uh, you wouldn't get it. It's a magic portal. You can't see through. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? But like, that was like the era of like weird cults. You know what I mean? It's the same thing as Rick and Morty now. Because now people just go, oh, you just might not be smart enough to get it. Exactly. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? No, like, we get it. We just like, it's, it, I don't know. Not my thing, I guess. I don't know. I don't like yeah. a squid god. So uh, Parsons and Hubby collaborated on the Babylon Working, which was a sex magic ritual, uh, which was meant Yeehaw. to summon, yeah, meant to summon a incarnation of Babylon, a uh, supreme Thelemite goddess. So it has something to do with whatever that religion cult thing was. I just the love Thelemite. that. Like none of them are like even proving that any of this works either. There's like. We we tried to summon Babylon and like did it work? They're like, no, but we're gonna keep trying. And then like people still like follow oh, we're that so shit. Close. And you're like, it's never worked. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's like the Bigfoot people where you're like, we're gonna find him this time. I was like, dude, this is the 18th season of this show. You haven't found him. <laughs> He's not gonna pop up. Imagine if he just popped up one episode and they're like, oh, okay, I guess the show's over. We found him. Okay, bye. Yeah. Like, what the See fuck? See you guys. We're gonna go drink beers with Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Hubby also started to practice hypnosis that same year, which led him to create the Dianetics. Just because he got a pocket watch for Christmas? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's a gift that can really ruin someone's life, so please stop you, giving pocket watches. You don't know how bad I wanted a pocket watch when I was young. I'm so glad my parents oh, didn't man. get one, because that's like a slippery slope to a vest and then a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> and then those steampunk goggles. <laughs> and a top hat. That's a, you know, I get to wear them with my top hat. Yeah. And get fingerless gloves. <laughs> and a fucking curly mustache. Oh my gosh. I'm liking this. I take it back. I'm going to get one. Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> so uh, we keep talking about Dianetics, but what exactly is that? Um, well, Dianetics is, uses counseling techniques known as auditing. 
which I kind of mentioned earlier, which an auditor assists a subject in a conscious recall of traumatic events in the individual's past. It was originally intended to be a new form of psychotherapy, uh, not a foundation of a new religion. I got audited. Did you? Yeah. By the I FBI? Went, no, I went to Scientology uh, a couple, like four, three, four years ago. Oh, that's right. You had to. You had a podcast before that you had to go do that, right? Yeah, we had a podcast called Haven't Done That. We went there and we got audited and they were like asking me about like, you know, my past and stuff like that. And I was like telling them stuff that was like, I didn't really care about if like anybody knew. I was just like, oh yeah, this happened and this happened. And they're like, how do you feel about that? I'm like, oh yeah, it kind of sucked at the time, but like blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, this is like, I get why it is therapeutic. Like what they do oh, yeah. is very similar to seeing a therapist. But the only problem is what they do with that information is not therapist like because therapists use that information to try to help you. And Scientology does that in a certain way. But if you turn on them and you don't want to do something, then they use it as blackmail. And a therapist yeah. is like, oh, I'm a doctor. I don't like if you don't want to see me anymore, that's fine. Like, I hope I wish you the best. But they're like, no, that's why they always say, like, you know, these stars in Hollywood, they can't get out because if they do get out, then they'll release all their like dirt and all that shit yeah. to the public. Yeah. And, then, you know, even with normal people, they'll they'll ruin their lives because they'll they'll tell people they love or care about that. Like they did this or this happened, you know, so black. Men. Yeah. Yeah, I talk about that a little bit later. Oh. So Hubbard's book Dynex would go on to be the best-selling non-Christian religious book in of the century. That's uh, crazy. Appearing on, yeah, appearing on the list of bestsellers for a hundred weeks. What? Yeah. So uh, combining combining the ideas of past lives and diving into darkness of the past. Many of the followers believe through Dianetics they have experienced events that they believed had taken place in one of their many past lives. Hmm. It's kind of yeah. like a reincarnation <laughs> a little bit. They get, oh, yeah. They're pulling a little bit of like uh, Buddhism in there, you know? Yeah. So in 1951, uh, Hubbins uh, incorporated a new tool, the Electropsychometer also known as the e-meter. Did you have to use an e-meter? No, that was like, I had to pay to use the e-meter. I had to like show back up and then they were going to like, I had to go, they basically tried to get me to buy all the books because like they're, they're a profit thing. Like that's what their main thing is. Like we want money, oh, yeah. money, money. So they're like, you have to buy the books and then once you read the books, then you could come and do the e-meters. And I was like, fuck that, I ain't buying the books. And then they're like, I lied to them and I was like, I don't have any money. And then they're like, oh, call up your parents. And I'm like, they don't, they won't give me money. And they're like, can you try? And I was like, dude, this is fucking weird. Like, like you're like yeah. a guy that won't take no for an answer, you know, like when he's like trying to hit on a girl or something. I was like, I don't like, I told him, and I like lied to him. I was like, oh, I'll be back soon. Like I have to go on a trip, but I'll be back. And they're like, okay, what day will you come back? And they like try to get a date and time and like to come by. And they're like, and then I was like, I can't buy all the books. And they're like, okay, just this book. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. And then they're like getting all pissed yeah. off at me because I wouldn't buy the books. And I was like, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> So uh, this e-meter was a it, or is a kind of electrodermal activity meter, and uh, they use it during the auditing stages 
and uh, it's a tool that is used for detecting changes in personal or in a person's state of mind. So it's almost like a lie detector in a way. And you know what it looks like? It looks like the things that like in the arcade, remember like the fake electric oh, yeah. chair, the fake yeah. um, Uncle Fester electric chair where you have to grab the metal things and it vibrates and it like pretend shocks you, but it feels weird and you have to see if you can hang on yeah. for as long as you can. That's what it looks like. Yeah. So in uh, 1972, uh, Hubby Wubby was wanted in France for engaging in fraud and was fined oh. 3,500 French francs and sentenced to four years in prison. That's a lot but, of hot yeah, dogs. It is. But this is a man who was a prophet. How could they? How could the world survive without him, without him and him behind bars? So obviously, you, that just couldn't happen. So... Laurent Hames fled back to uh, the United States and began living in an apartment in Queens, New York. But the legal problems did not end in French. Uh, <laughs> Hubs was faced with possible indictment in the U.S., so he went into hiding in April 1979. Uh, and he went into hiding in Hemet, California. I don't know where that is. Do you know where that is? Hemet? Yeah. Mm-mm. Probably in the woods. It's a good place to hide, I guess. Um, so when he <laughs> was in knew, hiding... If we knew where it was, it wouldn't be a good place to hide. <laughs> exactly. So uh, when he went into hiding, he only had contact uh, with the outside world with 10 trusted messengers. He cut contact with everyone, including even his wife, who he saw for the last time in August of 1979. What? Yeah. Really? So, in 1979, as a result of the FBI raids during Operation Snow White, an operation in, uh, of, a, of a search for conspiracy, criminal conspiracy by the Church of uh, Scientology, mm. 11 senior people in the church, uh, church's guardian office were convicted of obstructing justice, burglary of government offices, and theft of documents and the government, and the government property. Whoa. So I guess he had his people try to like break into the government and steal evidence. That's some Watergate shit. Yeah. So on January 24th of 1986, L. Ron Hubbard died at his ranch in Creston, California. And David Mescave became oh, the Miscavige. new head of Scientology. Miscavige? Miscavige, yeah. Yeah, he became the head of Scientology. Yeah. I guess you. I mean, you were you actually tried to join these people. You should have been doing this story. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like correcting you. I'm like, um, actually, and you're like, wait, why do you like this so much? I'm like, uh, actually, um, but no, I was gonna say it. Uh, it's weird because I, I've watched a couple of documentaries, especially after going there. Like, I wanted to like know as much about it as I could, but. There's like a weird thing, like when he did die, I think he died of like cancer or something like that. But when he did die, he um, they announced his death as he he finally took his final form or like you know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, he broke. Oh, yeah. There's like levels of Scientology, and they're like, he reached the top level, blah blah blah. And they're like, ah, and I was like, what a like a weird fucking thing. And David Miscavige is fucking crazy too you could do a whole episode on that dude because that dude's yeah. wife has been missing for like a long well, hold on. time we'll, we're gonna talk about it okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> so uh <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about the beliefs mostly the idea of the body and the thetan 
Thetan, Thetan, Thetan. whatever. <laughs> Thetan. You get a fucking right so, if you're going to disrespect uh, my religion. <laughs> <laughs> so Scientology, uh, Scientology's beliefs revolve around the idea of the immortal soul and the Thetan. Uh, Scientology teaches that the Thetan is a is the true identity of a person. Hubbard taught that the Thetan uh, brought the material universe into being largely for their own pleasure. And uh, the universe has no independent reality, but it derives its apparent reality from the fact that the Thetans agree that it exists. That's so fucking like ass backwards. What the fuck is he talking about? Like he just like basically how, saying Thetans are just like, oh, we have like in a all the Thetans have an agreed upon reality and agreed upon memory. It's like, what the fuck is like? What are you talking about? Like, it's so like up his own ass type thing. It just it's so apparent that this guy's just trying to like think of something new to like call reality. Yeah. It's like some people are like it's a it's a illusion or it's like a you know a video game, and then he's just like. Oh, let me try to think of something like that. It's an agreed upon thing between. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's so stupid. So uh, the Thetans fell from grace when they began to identify with their creation rather than the original state of the spiritual purity. Eventually, they lost their memory of their true nat- nature, along with associated spiritual and creative powers. As a result. Thetans came to think of themselves as nothing but embodied beings. So it's kind of like they stopped believing in themselves and now they're just people. Oh, wow. So Thetans uh, are re- <laughs> Thetans are reborn uh, time and time again in new bodies uh, through a process called assumption, which is like reincarnation. Scientology okay. makes a uh, a casual relationship between the experiences of earlier incarta- incarnate Jesus Christ incarnation <laughs> yeah and uh, one's present life and with each rebirth the, uh, the it it becomes a thing of the messed universe on uh, the theta's like so. <laughs> You, I feel like you don't even know what the fuck's going on anymore. I don't. So the mess stands for matter. Um, oh, God, I got a typo here. It corrected. So many of these words, these made-up words, kept auto-correcting themselves while I was typing. So like a lot of it is almost gibberish on my end. Uh, but, yeah, so mess stands for matter. Uh, the E got fucked. Um, what would the E be? energy um well it's it's matter something space and time so maybe energy but yeah yeah i don't know i dropped the ball on that one so let's talk about the space opera and the wall of fire what do you not know about this not uh not really so uh the church of scientology holds that at the highest levels of initiation also known as ot levels Mystical yeah. teachings are impaired uh, that they may be harmful to the unprepared readers or followers. These uh, teachings are kept secret from members who have not reached the higher levels. The church says that the secrecy is warranted to keep its materials uh, 
from you know from contact of people and it protects the members from being exposed to materials they are not yet prepared for oh god so uh these are the ot levels the levels above clear uh whose contents are guarded with scientology the ot level teachings include amounts of various cosmic catastrophes caused by the downfall of the thetans uh, Hubbard describes these early events collectively as the space opera. Oh, okay. <laughs> space opera. That's a, yeah. Like I said, he was like a so fun. fucking science fiction writer. It's like, you can't just be like, Oh, I'm a science fiction writer. Then all of a sudden, like have a trip out on a dream. And then all of a sudden you're like, I have a religion now. You're like, are you sure that's not just like more science fiction? And he's like, no, this one's real. Like, you have to be like a Buddhist monk or like somebody that lives in the mountains and then not write anything ever and then write a religion. Not just like I'm a I'm a struggling writer. Also, here's a religion and not just be like, are you sure it's not one of your other stories? Like, no, it's yeah, not. It's, it's a little hard to sell their case when the guy who made all this up was a science fiction writer. Exactly. And all this stuff is very sci-fi. Yeah. So, in these teachings, it tells the story of Xenu, the tyrant ruler of the Galactic Confederacy. Yes. <laughs> Lizard boys. So, according to the story, uh, 75 million years ago, Xenu brought billions of people to Earth in a spacecraft resembling a Douglas DC-8 airliner, um, attached them around volcanoes, and detonated a hydrogen bomb in the volcanoes. They had a hydrogen bombs and jet airliners? Yes. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no, it leaves you a little speechless. There's not much to say. It's kind of crazy cool. that, like, they invented planes before, like, civilization was a thing. Uh, and hydrogen bombs? <laughs> and hydrogen bombs. <laughs> So uh, the Thetans then clustered together and stuck to the bodies of the living and continue uh, to do this to this day. Um, Excerpts and uh, descriptions of OT material were published online by a former member in uh, 1995 and then circulated the mainstream media. This occurred after the teachings were submitted as uh, evidence in a court case involving the church. then becoming public record. So uh, there are eight levels known in the OT levels. And from OT1 to OT8, which is, you know, not very creative Mm -hmm. to name them that, the highest level of OT8 is disclosed only at a sea, only at sea on the Scientology cruise ship named Free Winds. Oh, that's the only way you could see, like, the documents? That's the only way you can get brought into OT8, I believe. Oh, well, shit. I would, I would be so interested to like, just be a fly on the wall in that like ritual or oh whatever my God, the fuck I know. they do on that boat. Oh my god, it'd be so crazy. Yeah. So there are rumors that additional OT levels will be um, revealed at some po- at some point. It has to be the appropriate time in the future when we need them most. Uh-huh. Now's so, a good time. Uh, I, I can't guess. stress this. <laughs> yeah, I can't stress enough that there is so much damn information about this group. Uh, we could have done like a five-part series if we wanted to break it all down. 
Uh, so if it really intrigues you, please do some independent research. But now let's jump into some of the controversies of the cult. I mean, church. Um, and <laughs> so this this one's pretty fun. And hopefully we don't result at the end of the sword on this one. So the church has an attack the attacker policy, which sounds pretty straightforward. The church has a reputation for hostile actions toward anybody who uh, criticizes it in any public form. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm sorry, Tobin. I might have sank the Camp Strange raft here. It's okay. Um, <laughs> any, we'll come back with a podcast called Strange Camp. And uh, <laughs> any negative press that has been... Um, any negative press has been attacked with retaliation, lawsuits, and public counter accusations of personal wrongdoing. Many critics have also reported they were subject to threats and harassment in their own private lives. Yeah, it's called squirreling, right? I don't know what the term is. Sounds right. That's where they fucking like show up at your house and then like fucking threaten to ruin your life or like protest. They like follow you around and like they just yeah fucking like yeah try to ruin your life. It's really weird. Well, come and come find me. I'm off the map, baby. You can't find me. <laughs> so uh, the organization's actions reflect a formal policy for dealing with criticism instituted by L. Ron Hubbard called Attack the Attacker. These are the guidelines. Number one, spot who is attacking us. Number two, start investigating them promptly for felonies or worse using own professionalism, uh, not outside agencies. Oh. Number three, double curve our reply by saying we welcome an investigation of them. Number four, this is the best step. Start feeding lurid, blood, sex, crime, actual evidence on the attackers and press. What? So now it's just like, yeah. So this is a quote from the from his actual release to the, the whole... Um, community of Scientology don't ever tamely submit to an investigation of us make it rough rough on attackers all the way you can get reasonable about it and lose sure we break no laws sure we have nothing to hide but and that's in all capitals but attackers are simply anti-Scientology propaganda agency or simply an anti- Scientology propaganda agency. So far as we are concerned, they have they have proven that they want no facts and will only lie no matter what they discover. So in all capitals, banish all ideas that any fair hearing is intended and start our attack with the first breath. Never wait. Never talk about us, only them. Use blood, sex, crime, get headlines don't use us i speak from 15 years of experience in this there has never yet been an attacker who was not reeking with crime all we had to do was look for it and murder would come out and that's from attacks on scientology hubbard communications office policy letter uh february 25th 1966 jesus christ I mean, it's kind of hypocritical if you just think about like how they're like, they don't want to know the truth. They only like the lies. I'm like, you guys are fucking doing the same things. Like, what are you talking about? 
Yeah. So that's kind of nuts. And especially since I was like in 1966, it's like, I don't even want to think about what resources they have now to fucking ruin people's lives. I bet they have so many drones. (laughs) Just just drones on drones. So uh, now let's do a little timeline of uh, Johnny Law getting upset. And uh, I did cut this one a little shorter because, my God, it just kept going. Uh, So January 4th, 1963, more than 100 E-meters were seized by the U.S. Marshals at the uh, founding Church of Scientology building. The church was accused of making false claims that the devices effectively treated some 70% of all physical and mental illnesses. Oh, shit. That's like, that's some FDA shit. You're going to get fined for that. Yeah. So, in 1978, L. Ron Hubbard was uh, convicted by French authorities of engaging in fraud. We talked about it a little bit before. Oh, yeah. uh, 1988, the government of Spain arrested the Scientology president, Huber uh, Jenst, and uh, 10 other members of the organization on various charges, including illicit association, fraud, and labor law violations. Uh, the Church of Scientology is the only religious organization in Canada to be convicted and uh, charged of breaching the public trust. Uh, 2001, in France, several officials uh, of the church were convicted of embezzlement. And this list literally just keeps going on about all these different laws that they've broken and uh, gotten in trouble for and most of them are just like so most of them are just like for profit you tell it's like fraud and like deceiving and it's like it's all f- just when it comes down to do it, it's all just for like money and power you know what i mean it's not even like exactly so weird yeah so uh why don't we go ahead and to no surprise we'll talk about some of the many famous celebrities who belong to the church and uh, this loose this list includes christy allen Juliet Lewis, Christy Alley, Danny Mass, isn't it? Oh yeah, did I say Alley? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Alley, uh, Danny Masterson, Elizabeth Moss, which I didn't know that one. Um, Michael Pena, Laura Prepon, uh, John Travolta, Charlie Manson. Oof, that's a rough one. <laughs> Get scrub him from the list. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess Charlie Manson, uh, well, he was in prison. Oh, said that he was a Scientologist, which honestly was probably him just being an asshole, yeah. which is great. He was just, he was just trying that. to like, get more press and shit like that. He liked <laughs> irritating. I feel like they couldn't do anything to him. Yeah, uh, Lisa Marie Presley, so Elvis' daughter, and of course Tom Cruise. Tommy. Now the church is well known for having their members' backs and protecting them from any troubles they might get into. And it has also been said that during their uh, auditing process, the church gets a lot of blackmail of the members and from their past and hold that against them and forcing them to stay a part of the church, which they do to increase the appeal and reputation of the church. Because being like, oh yeah, look at all these cool celebrities we have. Yeah, of course. So an ex-member named Spanky Taylor recalls what happens when you are not behaving as the church, uh, not behaving how the church wants you to in the HBO documentary going clear, uh, which is a really good documentary. Mm -hmm. So if you have access, watch that. 
Taylor recalls being sent to a rehabilitation project force, which she said was a prison camp for members who criticized the church. Taylor said that she was forced to do menial labor and only sleep a few hours a night and was also separated from her baby daughter since kids are seen as a distraction to their parents. That's so fucked. Yeah. One of the reasons I decided to finally cover this was this week, actually, that 70s show show actor Danny Masterson was finally arrested for three charges of rape. Uh, this has actually been fairly like well known for a while, but with the help of Scientology, Masterson had been able to avoid all the repercussions until now. Oh wow! So like, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but like, I remember like years ago reading about all this terrible shit that he's done, but he's never really like, you know, paid the price. Yeah. I also saw something about how he, uh, he poisoned and killed one of the members of the band Mars Volta's dog. What? Yeah, I guess he did that too. What the fuck? Um, but yeah, so finally that piece of shit's gonna be going to jail. Um, and uh, what what was his what was his name in the show? Hyde. Hyde. Yeah, he was the one with the the curly hair, kind of an asshole in the show. Mm. So it turns out he was a a real asshole in real life too. Uh. Um. So again, I can I we can literally go for hours about this stuff. Maybe we could do a part two, but. Uh, one of the biggest stories surrounding Scientology is Michelle Shelley Diane uh, Mesgrave. Is that how you say it? Miscavige. Miscavige? Yeah, Miscavige. Miscavige. <laughs> um, the wife of the current leader of Scientology, David. And uh, Shelley has not been seen by anybody since August of 2007. And she went missing after publicly critic being publicly critical of the organization that her husband runs. And the worst part about this is that she was last seen in 2007, but she was not reported missing by her husband until the year 2013. What the fuck? Yeah, I didn't know that. So that, yeah, that's the shady part. She went missing in 2007, and no report happened until 2013. That's wild. Yeah. Oh and that's especially after she was being like critical and kind of bashing Scientology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess at the end of the day, don't worry t- so much about life. You know, don't stress the small things because soon your uh, your theritin will leave Thirton. your husk of a body. <laughs> I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> it will leave the husk of your body and fly into a brand new one. Exactly. And maybe you'll be the new Tom Cruise next and you go jump on Oprah's couch, tell everybody you're in love. You can run in every movie. Yeah. And dance. You could you could ruin the mummy if you want. That's in his contract, right? He has to run and dance in every movie. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, well, yeah, like you said, there's so much information on like you know, Scientology. You could find a you could find a new section to talk about and go for hours and hours probably that that thing is so weird but um i think that concludes our episode for today so i just want to say thank you guys for tuning in and uh listening and uh if you guys want any more information go to campstrange.com and see all the hyperlinks for our social media we also have merch we have reviews if you want to leave one and uh, if you want to send us an email send it to campstrange uh podcast at gmail.com and we will respond um David, do you have anything else to say before we head out? 
Um, if you're going on a Tinder date, make sure you let your friends know their name, where you're going, just in case something bad happens. Yeah, why not? I mean, no one's going anywhere now. We're all still stuck inside, but for when we get back to our normal lives and our things Think about are free. It. Consider it. <laughs> and don't forget to stay strange.